Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you what I tried to do was kind of realize and kind of pass on the same lesson that I was taught, right? Like I started off as an economics major, but my, my, my um, instructor had really told me accounting is all how hard you work at it, right? Like it really isn't, um, it's a skill more than it is something that you're like born with, right? Like if you really work hard and you train yourself, you can teach yourself accounting. And I feel like a lot of times in school, if people don't get it right away, they're discouraged, right? It's like, oh, you're, maybe you're not just meant to be an accountant. And I felt like that was a hard thing to tell my students. So I would always try to like help them and, you know, make it simplified. And then, you know, I always had a soft spot for the athletes. Welcome to Change Your Mindset podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Ann Gannon, who's a certified public accountant who specializes in providing a monthly accounting and tax service that works for the business owner, not just the accountant. What makes Ann unique is that she is anything but your stereotypical accountant. After all, she spent her early years chasing the dream of professional golf. The time spent traveling the country playing golf had an impact on Ann. She quickly realized that all the entrepreneurs and members of the hospitality industry she had met along the way were being underserved by their accountants. In 2016, Anne founded the Largo Group, a firm specializing in over-delivering for the entrepreneur and business owners. This was a fun interview. She's got great stories, and I know you're going to enjoy this. But before we get to the interview, just a few housekeeping items. Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv is available for purchase on Amazon in paperback and in Kindle. If you'd like to learn more about the book or better yet order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by just hitting the 
click the order button, which will take you directly to the site on Amazon. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at petermargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate it if you leave a review of the show wherever you download your podcast from. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Biz, Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast video episodes along with this one. Heck, while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually in-person and on-site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Ann Gann. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, man, do I have a fun and interesting guest today. And as you heard her, in her bio, she's a former professional golfer. Yeah, I know jealousy all around all of us. <laughs> uh, just, just especially those in the, in the accounting profession say, oh, my gosh. And then she, then she went back to school and got her accounting degree. Now she's one of us in a firm. And it's a very interesting story. So first, and thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. However, this is after busy season. So you've probably been sitting around eating bonbons and watching Ella and or going out and swinging the club a little bit, have you? <laughs> a little bit, starting to wind down. So yes, uh, I'm very happy that April is behind us. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So before we get started, we were talking, I was, we were talking about how you got started in playing golf. And if you could relive that story and, and equate it to an accountant's mindset, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, so I grew up playing competitive golf uh, my whole life. I uh, went to college, uh, played, you know, all through my collegiate career. And then my senior year, uh, won the Women's Eastern, which got me to be ranked 11th in the country. And um, I had had a golf pro my whole college career who really worked with me, you know, actually gave me free lessons my whole college, really kind of leading me towards this, you know, elite golf uh, path. And then so, you know, after college turned professional. And what I quickly realized is I don't have the mindset for playing for money, which sounds really weird until you think about it, that, you know, I feel like I'm risk averse. So I love, you know, like a steady paycheck or to know what's coming. And when your paycheck is tied to making a putt, I just, I 
can do it as silly as that sounds. And my poor coach, I had to sit down with him after eight months and, you know, cause everyone struggles their first year. It's hard. You get used to different tournaments and there is a lot of added pressure. Um, and I'm like, you don't understand. It's, I just, I can't do this for money. Like I just don't, I'd much rather go back and play for trophies and amateur golf. And so that's what I ended up doing. Uh, you know, went back to school. My major had been in economics. And so, you know, went back for my accounting degree. I'm a, as I said, I'm a risk taker, but I, I'm with you on that. If I got a putt that either I can make my career or lose a whole bunch of money on, yeah, I, I think that's where I draw the line. Well, and the worst part for women's golf, and this is not, you know, I mean, men's golf, at least the paycheck is like a big one, right? So yeah. if you're like, if it's like, hey, you could be the future tiger if you make that putt, but in women's golf, I mean, you're getting paychecks for like $100. Like, it's so mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> so you're like, I just did all of this work. And yeah, so... Yeah. It just didn't work. So tell me how, I mean, as a professional athlete and you went back to school and got your master's in accounting because in economics, the great thing about economics is you can be wrong 50% of the time. They still get paid. They'll still pay you <laughs> like weatherman, but you know, it's also the, the nature of the work, but it's good to have that, that econ background. But how has that helped you in your mindset of starting your own and running your own business and running your own firm? How's that helped? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like there are a lot of similarities between sports and, you know, being an entrepreneur or a business owner, um, just that you, you know, have to keep looking forward and you can't, you know, you can't dwell on the past. And I think, you know, that's one of, I think, the biggest lessons in golf is that you, golf especially, I'm sure other sports and other athletes say the same thing, but I feel like in golf, you are just taught such humility like it's never a sure thing. You could have a great round and then you show up tomorrow and you can't make a putt, right? Like it is just the most humbling of sports. But I feel like in that humility, you learn that every day is a new day, right? So I can't like rest on my laurels and think like, oh, I'm awesome because I just, you know, had this great round or I'm terrible. I had this terrible round. Like You have to just kind of do the same routine every day and get your mind right and like approach every day as a brand new beginning. And I feel like that's why I think golf resonates with business owners so much because it's that same like okay here we are today we're gonna make the best of it we're gonna get through it and then you know move on to the next day yes and no as it relates to business owners and <laughs> and, and, and it's, we just came through the, the 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 biggest improv exercise known to mankind called the pandemic yeah. where we had to adapt every single day now with that mindset of yours uh and when this happened i imagine you said well we can't do, we gotta just keep moving forward and, and not worry about yesterday and worry just about today and start maybe planning a little bit out in the future. But I think other business owners just kind of freaked out and, and didn't know what to do and cost them their businesses. I would agree. I think, and that's not, you know, I think making light of it. I think I had never really thought about the similarity. I mean, when I left golf, I sort of didn't look back, right? It was like, okay, I still want to play golf and maybe I'll play, you know, a little bit here and there, but really, you know, this is a new path and accounting is different and and all of those things. Um, But when the pandemic hit, it was very, I felt like I was drawing on some of those like really bad moments in golf a lot. Like, oh, I remember the time that I, you know, showed up to the USAM for the first time and hit two golf balls in the water off the first tee. So (laughs) that was horrible. Like, this is bad, but that was like horrible. And at least here I can, you know, kind of work hard every day and make my own destiny. And, you know, 
and help my clients make my make their own destiny and carve a path forward. So, you know, kind of that reminder of like the things we can control versus the things we can't like the one good thing in business as as an owner, you can you can control your business, right? Like you can make it better every day. And I think that really reminded me of, you know, if if you can see a path forward, which again goes back to golf, like visualizing a good shot, then you can make it happen versus like you said, the ones that just couldn't see the forest through the trees. It was very hard to get through the last two years. So if you can remember back to March, 2020, when this first, yeah, well, let me, let me back up. Is your firm prior to the pandemic, was it in-person, uh, there was an office or did it have a virtual component to it already? Yeah, so we had a virtual component. We were, um, I would say I probably was in person like 25% of the time. And then, you know, 75% was virtual. Our tax was more in person, um, you know, that annual meeting. But I think overall, probably um, 25% of the time. But I think what makes us unique is where we were probably and are still like 90% restaurants. Oh, Wow. And our model is um, flat fee monthly. So when COVID hit, I did not know if we would survive because I didn't know who was going to cut us off for that April bill. So I was like right in the thick of it immediately because we were so exposed with restaurant clients. Um, so it, it was crazy for me. And I had, you know, growing up, my dad had been an entrepreneur whose business had failed. Mm-hmm. So I knew what that looked like and how emotional that gets very quickly. And um, I mean, I remember the first week I was just, I was a mess with them because I knew this was their life. Like I knew restaurant owners, especially historically, don't have a lot of savings. Right? They don't really think about retirement, they think about growth, like, oh, I have all this money, let's go build another one, (laughs) you know, which is great. And that's why I love working with restaurant owners so much. But when the pandemic hits, and all of a sudden, you're watching their livelihood disappear before your eyes, knowing there's no safety net. I mean, it was terrifying. So I probably spent the first six months on the phone giving away free advice to anyone I could, just to keep you know, plug the holes and we're all going to find a path forward. Like, let's build a weekly budget with 30% of your sales and see what it looks like. Like that, I mean, those were the, I have one um, client who was actually in Alaska. They were like a huge brewery in Alaska. And we had to do three projections in like the first week of April, 2020 for his bank. One was the cruises don't come till June. Second cruises don't come till August. And third is cruises don't come at all. And they were reliant on this 12-week cruise season. And that was like, I I just sat there going, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to create. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Were you able to help your clients procure PPE, PPP money? Yeah, something like that. Yes. But I think what happens, especially being two years out, and this is what I try to remind our clients now, is like, they had to get through five weeks before that money ever hit their bank account. So there were a lot that didn't get through. I remember we were doing a live, like free webinar, like two, three weeks in um, with this consultant that we kind of knew. Um, And by the time we got to week four, I remember on week three, he said, you watch next week, there won't be as many people on 
because we were hit the point because most mm-hmm. restaurants are 15, 30 days AP and you still had another full mm-hmm. payroll to get through just because of timing of payroll. And sure enough, week four, it was like the numbers are down. Like they just didn't, they didn't make it. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. And, and being Greek American and spending a lot of my early life in the, through college, a little bit after college in the restaurant business, the family restaurant business. Yeah, this is for some I kind of heard a story like that, quite to the matter of the accounting firm being so heavily dependent upon the, the restaurant industry. So just out of curiosity, did a percentage of your clients that were all in restaurants or, or some type of customer service capacity, how many of them survived? I'm happy to say, I, I really think, now again, it was their work, but I really think wow. our... Um, our monthly model proved to be the difference maker. Ninety-five uh, percent survived, which was yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot was PVP. I think PVP was a great program for restaurants. Um, the ones that were able to be proactive again, that forest through the trees. You know, there were some that thought this was going to be an eight-week thing, and PPP gets you through two months. So hey, I'll just keep my staff, and then we'll be great in eight weeks it didn't work, right? Because it wasn't an eight week thing, but the ones that were able to be creative and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna do the hard work of, cause we basically made everybody build a weekly budget in the new reality, right? If you're gonna go delivery, then what does that look like? If you're closing your doors and that means your front of the house is now expo, like all of that. Um, and the ones that could get there mentally were used the money the best they could, right? They kept the team they needed to keep, it plugged the gap and it got them into the fall, which ended up to be a little better. Um, but the ones that just like kept waiting for it to come back, it was it was hard. Uh, it's interesting to say this. I kind of wish I, I interviewed you a couple of days earlier because I spoke to a food and beverage uh, conference yesterday and I was sitting down with, before I was getting up to speak, I was talking to one of the other speakers and he was a partner in a restaurant. Clearly, and and I said, so how did the pandemic affect you? And his staff was there, and he said, tell them the story. And, and this is an Irish pub, and an Irish pub. He goes, you know what? Yeah, we don't, we don't have carryout because you know, fish and chips kind of get soggy in that plastic container. So we had to figure out some way that we could provide, if we were going to have delivery or takeout, that we could provide something that was sustainable. And he said, the chef loved to smoke meats, so. They found a way without having to invest a lot of money in smokers and stuff to provide uh, barbecue uh, chicken, uh, pulled pork sandwiches, ribs out of an Irish you know, pub <laughs> restaurant. But he said it actually put about, you know, it, it helped them get through that period of time being very creative. And by the way, they've kept the ribs on ever since. <laughs> And I'm going sometime this week to go try those ribs. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was the creativity a, a, a lot of people endured, but some, like you said, just couldn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing. I think that I feel like it changed the business owners that made it through. I feel like it changed their mindset to mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, if you listen to like the big guys in the restaurant world or in any industry, right? Uh, they love what they sell but they also listen to their customer, right? So if their customer doesn't want chicken tenders or they want a different kind, like they're going to try a different kind because that's what their customer wants. And I think your old school restaurant, you know, historically it's like, I'm going to open a pizza place and I'm going to sell pizza and everyone's going to come order pizza. And there we go. And then, like you said, you had some models that just 
didn't work anymore. I mean, we had one client who had just done this beautiful build out in downtown Philly, like gorgeous, right? For like the millennials to come and the after work crowd. Well, the millennials all moved out because there's everyone's working from home and, you know, no one's going to work. So there's no happy hour. And I remember right away, the manager said, they want chicken tenders or getting chicken tenders. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to go down for the sake of this menu. Like whatever they want, they're going to get. If they want pretzels, we're giving them pretzels. <laughs> you know, but I think the ones that were like, well, no, we're, you know, we've built this menu. Like that you had to listen to your customers. And I feel like what's come out of that on the other side, you know, a lot, especially in hospitality and I think other industries too, is like being more data driven right? Like really paying attention to that core customer and that changing need and, and, and all of that and not being so bottlenecked into like what we think they want, but realizing we have all this data, we can, we can find out what they want today and, and answer. That's a very good point because I, I do binge watch like Diners, Drives, and Dives. I just love that show. But I listen to, I listen to these restaurant owners and they go, I like to, I like cooking food that I like to eat. And I well, the first time I heard, it, oh, well, that's not a good, that's not really a good model. I mean, it's it's probably great food, but that's what you like to eat. You haven't asked your customers what what they would like. And I think luckily the the places that he visits, the customers like it too. But there's always yeah. a possibility that the customer doesn't like it, or they're choosing someone else over you. Yeah, and I think too, I think you know what people also learn in the pandemic is just communicating what makes you different. Right. If you're whether you're selling chicken tenders or pizza or whatever it is or any business, you know, why why are your chicken tenders the best? And I think the ones that were able to do that were also able to translate that to the third party delivery. And, you know, in the marketing that even if someone's not walking in the door, I can still show them a picture of my awesome chicken tenders and they're going to buy it anyway. You know, but the ones who, you know, really were more just again, just convenience and we're just going to, we're going to be everything to everyone. And, you know, we're around the corner, so they're going to just come in. That was a harder sell. So I think it really forced people to take a look at what you're offering and remember that you have to sell them on it and convince them why, why you love making that food, right? Because there's maybe a great reason why you love making that food, but we need to communicate that so they see it. Absolutely. So, so you get your, your, your master's in accounting, you go to work for a firm, and then you, you leave that firm and you go become an accounting instructor at Florida Atlantic University. And, and you did that for about four years. Then you started your firm. And, and as a, I, I've been an instructor of, of accounting at a university. How have you, have you, well, have you been able to teach your clients accounting, which they usually they start hyperventilating, shivering, yes. whatever, and then doing shots of tequila just to get <laughs> yes. that thought out of their head. No, it's so true. I feel like everyone who's in accounting should go try to teach accounting because it really <laughs> makes you look at it differently, trying yeah. to communicate to people who don't understand. And it really, I felt was probably the biggest lesson, right? Because I think in a big firm, um, you know, I was in like a top regional firm, which is Mm -hmm. CCR up in Boston. And, um, you know, we were a great firm, but I think in a big firm, you kind of get away with like, well, you know, it's because of how we say it. Like, the people just are like, okay, whatever you say, you know, and there isn't a lot of like collaboration with your clients. Um, you know, it's more kind of busy season, tax returns done, and and that's then we're good. Whereas I feel like when you have to teach it, you have to realize that not everybody 
speaks that same language. You don't have 50 people in a room who all speak this language. Like you have to go and be the one person who does and now communicate to the room of 50 that don't speak your language. And I really felt like that was a great lesson. Um, it also taught me that I think, um, and you might agree that I think it's accounting in some way, it's taught well in school, but I feel like there's a lot of things that they leave out <laughs> or, you know, things we could dwell on more that we do. Amen. So, you know, and I feel like, you know, that's okay, but you're really being taught by a lot of people who, who necessarily haven't been in the public accounting world. Mm -hmm. And so what I tried to do was kind of realize and kind of pass on the same lesson that I was taught, right? Like I started off as an economics major, but my, see, my, fur, my, um, instructor had really told me accounting is all how hard you work at it, right? Like it really isn't, um, it's a skill more than it is something that you're like born with, right? Like if you really work hard and you train yourself, you can teach yourself accounting. And I feel like a lot of times in school, if people don't get it right away, they're discouraged, right? It's like, oh, you're maybe you're not just meant to be an accountant. And I felt like that was a hard thing to tell my students. So I would always try to like help them and you know make it simplified and then you know I always had a sp soft spot for the athletes so <laughs> the other accounting professors hated me because my class was filled with athletes and <laughs> I was simplifying it <laughs> so well yeah. that's what you're supposed to do I mean because you know I the one of the challenges that higher education has is they teach accounting like fundamentals of of, of, of accounting and fundamentals of, of, of managerial accounting. they teach it like to go to these Kids are going to be, all become CPAs or, or we get their accounting degrees, which is just the opposite. They really, and there is a way of doing that. And you've explored that. And I was doing the same thing. How do you, how do you get these guys interested in it and not, and not make it so complex? And, and actually accounting is easy. Um, it's just your mindset going into it a lot of times. And, um, oh, you said something else that just rang a bell, but I just went right out that ear. I'll, it'll come back to me. So, well, business owners need, need to become better accountants. They need to have that training, but we've made it scary for them. Yes. Yes, I agree. And I think that it's it's unfortunate because it's not a, it's not a, like an option. If you're going to run a successful business, you have to understand those fundamentals. And I agree with you. If you taught it more broad and based and said, you know, even if you're going to be an entrepreneur who makes their own T-shirts, you have to understand the balance sheet and the PL. Like that's just, it's not an option. Um, but we've scared them into thinking, oh, I, I can't learn that. So I, I won't. And I'll go do this other thing. And then years later, it comes back and they're like, oh, I should have listened. I, absolutely. And, and, and what I was going to say is I, when I work with CPAs and I go, you know, you get, you guys, I, I asked them, how many of you speak a foreign language? And a couple of hands, Spanish, you know, maybe Italian, you know, whatever. I said, no, no. You, 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 let me reward it. Does anybody here speak the foreign language of business called accounting? And they all start laughing. And I go, okay, that's a good joke. I know, but it's serious. Because have you ever talked to someone who's not an accountant and you see the deer in the headlights and they all start shaking to it with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah, they're not understanding the word you're saying. Yeah. You have to translate it. We have to become translators of that complex language into something more simplistic so they can actually use it in decision-making, not be afraid of it. Yeah, it's so true. And I think the ones that, uh, that are the, you know, business owners that are able to, I think, really appreciate it. It could be life-changing if you can get them to get out of that deer in headlights look. Right. And it's, it's, 
it's a hard thing to do because they've been conditioned that way. And it's, so it's almost like we need to start back at, at, at the uh, university level and teach uh, accounting and finance, uh, not the way that you're going to become a professional accountant, but the way you can become a better business owner. Yes. And, and get that because it's, it's too many businesses go out of business because they fail to plan. Exactly. Right. Or, yeah. And they're, they're afraid. I've got a client and, and she's got a great business, but oh my God, she absolutely hates the numbers. And, and just working with her to try to not to panic. And, and so I, I'm doing a little fractional CFO work and it's like, it, it's, it's okay. I'll, I'll help you get through this. But a lot of people have built up this scar tissue. Yeah. And just can't get past that. And, and I, I just keep telling her, I'm not stopping until you fire me. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, how, I mean, how do, you, how do you get your clients to buy into the thought that you're actually trying to teach them accounting? Or do you do it so stealth like <laughs> they have no idea that you're being taught to? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, just having those good conversations, mm-hmm. you know, just really taking the time to kind of check in with them. Um, you know, and I think from that, it's good to, like you said, understand how much scar tissue is there. Cause sometimes it's hard to know, right. You might think it's a great conversation and then that client's completely lost and it actually wasn't very good. <laughs> they tuned you out about five minutes ago. So, you know, so I find it's good to start slowly and then just get them to open up a little bit. Um, you know, how much do they understand, you know, but also know that there's no, you know, silly questions. Like if you have a question about the basics of the fundamental I ask, like we want you to to feel free that you can ask. And I think sometimes then they're a little more open to, you know, Hey, this is a, this might sound like a silly question, but what's a liability. <laughs> and you're like, it's okay. That's actually a good question. And yeah. let's talk about it because I'd rather you ask than we look, hand you a balance sheet. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we, uh, a non-accountant hears the word depreciation. That's the value. They lose their car when they drive off a new car lot. Accountant goes, no, no, no. It's a systematic allocation of an asset <laughs> over time. <laughs> what did you just say? Or what's it? What's a disbursement? Cash out. We give it to you. It's when cash out of this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you got you've got a great personality. You, you, you've had this firm now going on seven and a half years, and you're doing a lot right. But there's something that I think you're doing that a lot of firms forget about providing a customer experience or client experience. So could you, could you expand on that aspect of it? Yeah. I mean, I really think that um, with technology that it's Mm -hmm. important to provide that extra level of customer service because otherwise they, you know, could just say, I could just go do it myself. Right. Like I think there has to be a value above, um, just a report or just a tax return, um, you know, and I really feel like it, um, it just is important for, you know, especially hospitality, like they want to talk. So, you know, that's important that they know that they can. Um, but I think for any, any industry, you know, I would say that two bits of advice is to find an industry you like and really focus on it, right? Not trying to be all things to all people, but really focusing on a few industries in your area or, you know, whatever it is. But I think that that is important because I think in accounting, then, you know, you have other people to draw on 
and other examples, you know, in the community to, to draw on as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it all comes down to me that I love talking to my clients. <laughs> I really do. Um, I'm fascinated by, I think it's the economics. Yeah, I'm fascinated by like how people have been able to do what they've done. So to me, working with entrepreneurs is just, it's fascinating to see what they, how they've accomplished what they've accomplished. Yeah, accountants aren't really known for their communication skills. They, they, and, and that's not a knock on the that knock on the profession per se, but that's they're, they're you know I grew up in restaurants, so I I've got that ability to communicate, and that's why I learned my communication school. But when I came into public accounting, the accounting world is like got me on stage doing stand up crickets. You know, yeah, I can't hear a sound out of anybody, and it's like okay, well, is that the way we're interacting with our clients? Or is it, it's, a, it's, we have to provide them with, with a good customer client experience where they can ask questions. They can do this versus uh, it's, wow, it's April 15th. It's a Friday. I know, I know Monday is the uh, deadline for filing an extension and I still haven't heard from my accountant yet. Yeah. And, and that's a true story that happened yeah. to me, that happened to me this year. And yeah. it's like, that's not a good customer client experience. And, and you've got excuses, I understand. But if you had excuses, you should have informed us about the challenges that you were having, not tell us after the fact. Yeah. Because as I asked, as I asked the accounts, what business are you in? And they give me all this stuff. I said, no, no, you're in the people business first and foremost. Without yeah. people, you have no business. Yeah. So let's treat our let's treat our people that work with us, and let's treat our clients in a different way, and keep them informed. Yeah. But I, I, how do I charge for that? You don't. Yeah. And that I think you know some of it comes down to what I feel like is when you meet like CPAs, um, you know, a lot of times the people that are drawn to you understand your communication style already, right? The ones that are your your best clients mm -hmm. probably understand your communication style the best, right? Mm -hmm. um, and are probably a lot like you. That's why I joke with my, mm -hmm. <laughs> my team because I'm like, my clients? Different than everybody else's clients, <laughs> which is okay, but, I, but at least we know that. Like yeah. Anne's client, everyone else's client, different. Um, but I think you have to own that, right? Because, um, you know, I mean, we ended up um, kind of like acquiring a small book. Someone was retiring. And, and what I quickly realized is the personalities were so different, right? That like, right. I inherently forget how my clients understand my communication style. Like we work really well together. And then you have people who are used to something different and that is hard, right? So I think as a place to start, if you're trying to improve your communication, look at the, your favorite clients, the ones you would really enjoy working on, because I guarantee that they, there's something about you they love and that's what you need to focus on. That's great advice. It is, and, and, you know, a lot, I guess a lot of times accountants uh, spend 80% of their time with the clients that don't provide them that top 20% revenue versus spending time with that, the 20% that bring in the 80% revenue. And, and, that, and that's, that's another challenge that they have. Uh, so I understand, and I actually I forgot to ask you about this at the very beginning. I understand you've got a book coming out here soon. Yes. So it's called Shot Maker. Um, it's all about minds. <laughs> yes. Um, but it is. It's about the mindset. So it's a little bit of both. It's about the mindset of a business owner um, and reminding you how important it is to 
focus on that mindset every day. Because I think unlike sports, we're able to have these bad mental days, right? Whereas if you were playing golf and you had a horrible mental day, your score is probably also going to be horrible, right? So you're going to have to fix it very quickly. But in business, we sometimes forget that like, am I having a bad day because something else is going on? Or am I having a bad day because I'm just in a bad mental place and I need to fix that to make my day better. So that's a little bit. And then uh, it's really meant for, um, you know, business owners, but restaurants, especially to really kind of walk them through some of what we were talking about with understanding the accounting terms, like here's the accounting terms you need to know. So you can really focus on your business today and not be reliant on an accountant. Because even my clients, I don't want you to be waiting for me, right? Like I want this to be a give and take relationship. But if, you know, your business is on fire, you need to know how much cash you need to make it through the next month, even if I'm not available, right? Like it has to be on you and you have that knowledge because in any business, that owner needs to know where they are at any point in time and not be this, well, my account didn't get back to me. So how would I know? And it's like, no, 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 no. Like you're the owner. So there's, this is a two-way street here and we need to give you this information in something that you understand. So when your business is on fire, you can make that decision right now. What possessed you to write a book like this? COVID really, um, <laughs> you know, because like I said, until COVID, I really had not thought about the correlation in mindset. And I really feel like if I were to take a look at the, you know, the 10 clients that I dealt with the COVID that really did the best, it was more than anything mindset. I mean, they just did not see failure. They saw, hey, this is great. By the end of this, there's going to be like one of my restaurants on every corner. And you're like, really? Because you should talk to the other guy because the other guy is like packing it up and leaving. So, I mean, but it was just so different. Like you heard some people who were doom and gloom and I can't do anything. And you had others who are like, you know what? I heard that restaurant on the streets for sale. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to make it a comment. Like it was just crazy the difference. And I feel like it just because everyone was in this hyper state, it highlighted mindset is everything yeah it absolutely is so where can when will it be released so it's on amazon so it is it is available so uh, you can find it on amazon perfect and how can people find you more importantly Yes. So I actually uh, did start the Shopmaker podcast. So that is uh, in the works, which uh, is fun just to kind of continue on the conversation of mindset and then our website. So we do offer free resources to business owners, entrepreneurs um, who are looking to, you know, learn a little more. So, um, you know, kind of taking that accounting in their own hands and understanding the fundamentals. So we offer that on our website. Nice, nice. Well, I, I tell you, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's been so much fun to have this conversation because we have a lot in common in our background. And yeah, you know, I, I wish you and your firm the best of luck. I, I think that you guys are going to blow the doors off of your competition and or, or have already done it and just looking for new doors to blow off. And uh, and you've got such a great attitude and personality. I can't imagine your clients that go, I can't work with her. <laughs> Thank you. They're, they're probably excited. Oh my God, my daddy's calling. Aunt's calling me. My account's calling. I can't wait to talk to him. People are looking at what? You're chatting. You're excited. Well, you haven't met Anne yet. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. And um, best of luck to you. And keep in touch, please. Yes, definitely.
I want to thank Anne for her stories on why it's important to provide excellent client service aimed at the client and not to the convenience of the accountant. Thank you, Anne. Remember, there are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they obtain. Be a yes person. Thank you for listening. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.